0: So we've been doing this series, okay, the best ever, and of course last week was the best sex ever, but let me just say this, sex is not just the only key to a successful relationship. Communication is key, and so we're going to talk about the best communication ever, and of course it applies to spouses, but we're going to take it way beyond that. We're going to take it way beyond the fact that it just... Uh, so, uh, we're not just going to talk about married people. We're going to talk about all relationships today. And so basic communication principles are what we're going to share with you that we'll put into practice with our spouses, our friends, our families, and others. How many want to learn something today, right? So we're going to repeat this three different times from three different angles. We're going to talk about three areas... Where we can improve if we want to do the best communication ever. So, I'm going to talk about our conversation, first of all, with God, our conversation with others, and then, believe it or not, our conversation with ourselves. Now, don't look at me like that. We all talk to ourselves, come on. Okay, it's not the people in the white suits that only talk to themselves, all right. (laughs) So I'm going to start, though, with talking to God. Because I think if we learn how to talk to God, it can help us in all our other relationships. We can learn to talk to God. And the first and important clue to talking to God is timing. Is timing. You 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 need to set aside time. And by the way, you should see up there as we go through this. You'll see the little fill in there. It's underlined. And, and like Pastor Todd and Katie say all the time, uh, no takers are history makers. So we, we try to put some, uh, some tools in your hands today. So if you set aside time to get intimate with God, even Jesus did this with his Father. But it, you have to literally be proactive. You have to make an effort to set aside time to be with your Father in heaven. To be with the Holy Spirit. To be with Jesus. To have communion with God. Even Jesus. How many know Jesus is our pattern? Can I hear an amen? amen? Jesus is our example. Look what he did in Mark 1. If you know the story of the life of Christ, he was constantly surrounded by people. But it says very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, And went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Why did Jesus choose this time in the morning while it was still dark to commune with his father? To communicate. To have the best communication ever. Why did he do that? Number one, no distractions. Number two, he could focus and hear clearly. And there were no interruptions. Today we are bombarded continually with media. How many have a cell phone nearby? Come on. We'll talk about that a little later. But we are literally being bombarded. You know, there's an amazing thing, I didn't know much about this, but there's this thing called the quiet eye. And it's this ability that uh, super uh, athletes have developed, where they can get so focused on their skill, on their sport, that nothing distracts them from keeping their eye on the ball. They call it the quiet eye. And they've learned that it keeps them from choking when pressure comes on them because they're completely focused. And God wants us to learn to have that time where we set aside all the distractions and we're completely focused on communicating with God. God picked the best time to talk to Adam and Eve. You see, God from the very beginning was communicating with his people, with his creation. And he picked the best time to do that. Look at what it says in the book of Genesis. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. You see, if we're going to communicate with God, we've got to pick the best possible time that we can do that. See, the work was over. As you know, Adam and Eve were responsible for working in the garden. But now it came time for them to focus on their relationship with God. For some people, that might be in the morning. Other people, it might be a break in the afternoon or maybe in the evening. But you've got to pick that best time. You know, there's a famous environmentalist, Sigurd Olson. And uh, in 1956, he went out to one of the Great Lakes, and he built a kind of a cabin. And these are all over the Great Lakes. People build holiday cabins, and they go away. And they, they go there to kind of relax. And they call them all kinds of names. But he had a special name for his, because he said, I want to hear all that's worth listening to. In other words, I want to get away from all the noise that normally distracts me. And I want to hear all that's worth listening to. In other words, the sounds of nature, the beauty that God's created. And do you know what he called it? He called it his listening point. And all of us can find that listening point. We can find that place where we can connect with God. You know, Susanna Wesley, who was the mother of the founder of the the Methodist church, John Wesley, she had 17 children and she was constantly surrounded by these kids. But she had a listening point. She had a chair she would go through and she would throw her apron over her head and the minute she did that, all her kids knew that it's time to let mama listen to God and they would completely leave leave her alone. Thomas Edison had his thinking chair. Alexander Graham Bella had his dreaming place. We all need that whispering spot where we can just say, you know what? I'm going to make a time and a place to connect and communicate with God. Can I hear an amen? amen? The second thing is this. So these are three things. We're going to compete, repeat them in each relationship. The second one is listening. Communication is a two-way street, even with God. You know, can you imagine if every time you met someone, they started a conversation with you, and they're just talk, 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 talk. Yeah, no, I did this, I did that, and this happened, and I'm doing this, and I'm doing this, and, then, and then good talking to you, see you. And you're not ever got one word in. But a lot of times that's the way it is with God. We talk to Him. We tell Him all our troubles and everything. But are we listening? God is listening to us. And by the way, it's not from a distance. Can I hear an amen? amen. Look what it says in First Peter, verse 3. For the eyes of the Lord are over all the righteous, and His ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. So see, God is near. He's watching he's listening he's concerned and if we're going to if we're going to listen to god we got to realize that god's listening to us as too you know one of my favorite authors is john ortberg and he's a surfer he he used to live here in california he in fact he pastors up in the bay area but one day he was out surfing and there was nobody on the beach except some muscular guy doing kind of you know martial arts stuff and all of a sudden this little boy about 8 years old came out into the surf And he was surfing alongside of him. So they started to talk and he found out his name was Shane. He said he could, he said he was so small I could probably have surfed on a skateboard or something. He was just that little. And they started to talk and he said, how long have you been surfing? He said, I've been surfing for seven years. He goes, how old are you? I'm eight years old. He goes, I love to surf, I meet all kinds of new people. So we looked at him, he said, well who brought you here today anyway? How'd you get here? And he pointed over to the shore. And he said, my dad. And his dad heard him and that, hi, son. And all of a sudden, John, Er, Er, this is what he said. It was then that I knew why Shane was so at home in the ocean. It wasn't his size. It wasn't his skill. It was who was sitting on the beach. His father was always watching. And his father was very big. And Shane wasn't really alone at all. And neither are we. Can I hear an Amen. So we need to understand that God is listening to us, and we need to listen to him. That's the next point. Don't just talk to God, but listen to God. Listen to this. This is Jesus now, and he's speaking to his church. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him. And he with me. What's the key to communication with God? Because when he's talking about eating with God, he's talking about breaking bread. He's talking about fellowship. He's talking about having a conversation with us. He says the key is you have to hear his voice. So don't just merely pour out all your problems to God. Oh God, I'm on this and that and this and that. No, take time to hear what's on God's mind. You know, he knew what was going on with Adam and Eve. He knew what their problem was. He knew what their difficulty was. He knew what they were struggling with. And he was able to deal with that and confront that. And he knows what's going on with you. You need to listen to him and what he has to say to you and each of us. You see, honesty is the third point. So not only do we need to pick a time and not only do we need to listen, but the third key, and there are many of them, but the third key out of the three is learning to be honest. Graciously speaking the truth. You can't really have communication unless there's not a level of honesty involved. You know, Jesus said, I am the way, in John chapter 14. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. But one of his very characters, one of his very natures, is the fact that he is truth. And you can be honest with God. Can I, how many believe that you can actually be honest with God? Can I hear an amen? Yeah. In other words, you can tell God your secrets. I was reading about a new study they did. And in this study, they found out that the average person is holding on to 13 secrets. These are things that will never tell a living soul. But what's amazing is they've discovered that when you hold on to secrets, they did a study. This is what they did in the study. They found out that people that were plagued by deep secrets that they were embarrassed and ashamed of that were holding on to, literally when they began to judge things, they saw them as more difficult and more harsh and more uh, impossible to overcome. And it's amazing, I saw this, it says, we found that when people were thinking about their secrets, they actually acted as if they were burdened by a physical weight. Other studies have shown that secret keepers are more likely to suffer headaches, nausea, back pain. Daryl Larson of the Santa Clara University, did a mega analysis and found that secretly people are more depressed, shame-prone, anxious, and sensitive to judgment, which makes them both tight-lipped and vulnerable to illness. But guess what? There's a place to get rid of those secrets. How many are glad for that? Amen? Mm -hmm. In other words, there's somebody you can tell the truth to, and that's God. And God will tell the truth back to you. You see, God was up front with Adam and Eve about their sin issues. He came right to the point. And we can be honest with God as well. We can talk to God about our issues. And you know what that means? It also means you can argue with God. You can argue with God. It's amazing. Let me give you a couple. For instance, Abraham argued with God about the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. God was going to wipe it out. And he went through a whole list of things that he communicated with God. Also, Moses was with God. Listen to this, his communication with God in Exodus. Moses said to God, look, you tell me, you told me, lead this people. But you don't let me know whom we're, where we're going and, and, and to send me. You tell me, I know you well and you're special to me. If I am so special to you, let me in on your plans. That way I will continue being special to you. Don't forget, this is your people and your responsibility. Can you imagine saying that to God? But that's what he said. <laughs> and then God said, my presence will go with you. I'll see the journey to the end. And Moses said, if your presence doesn't take the lead here, call this trip right off now. Now, how else will it be known that you, you're uh, with me in this? With me and your people, are you traveling with us or not? How else will we know that we're special? And I and your people among all the peoples on the planet of Earth. Planet Earth. And God said to Moses, look at this. All right, just as you say, this is also I will do. For I know you well you and you are special to me. And I know you by name. Wow. You look at the Psalms. And David, he really got in it. He really told God like it was. And and that's part of communication. And of course, we see Mary talking to Jesus. And she convinces him to turn the water into wine, even though it doesn't appear that he wants to do it. But he does it anyway. And hence the guy argues with God. God says, get ready, you're going to die. And he argues with God and God gives him 15 more years. So... Remember those three things. And now we're going to look at them again in relationships with other people. Now we're going to talk about talking with others like spouses. And of course, last week was all about people that we're in intimate relationships with. So we're going to talk about spouses, but also we want to add to this because it's not just for married people. We want to talk about our relationship, our communication with friends, co-workers, family. The first one is timing. See, work is setting aside quality time to talk with other people. They did a survey of uh, matrimonial lawyers. These are lawyers that deal with um, divorce. And they they found out that 87% of them agreed on certain things that created divorce. And guess what the number one was? It was not setting aside face time. In other words, they put screen time over FaceTime. Listen to what they said. Instead of getting into bed and discussing how each other's day was, couples opt to be on social media. They engage with friends, acquaintances, or even followers during times that they would otherwise be growing and improving their marital relationship. Put down your device, ask your spouse how their day was, And listen. I get an amen or oh me. So we cannot let, okay, we cannot let our time with others be rushed, especially those close to us. And full of distractions. You know, Esther knew how to set aside time. She had to save her nation from destruction. And she knew she had to get the king's complete attention to sway him to understand the situation. So guess what she did? She had a banquet for the king. We read about this in Esther 5. The king says, what is it, Queen Esther? The king inquired. What is your request? Even up to half the kingdom, it will be given to you. Here she is before his throne. And he said, Ask whatever you want. She was smart. She didn't ask publicly. This is what she said. If it pleased the king, Esther replied, may the king and Haman come today to the banquet I have prepared for the king. She knew if she was going to talk to his heart, she had to get him in a very intimate kind of situation. And that's the key to communication is setting aside that time and that place where you can communicate. You know, they did a survey, and they found that 89% of Americans say that during their last interaction, they took out their cell phone. In other words, when they were out to lunch, or they were sitting at it with a coworker, or they were with their spouse. And 82% of them said it deteriorated the conversation they were in. In other words, just putting that cell phone there on the counter says that you're allowing something else to come into the conversation. And especially in a relationship, I'll just be honest with you. If I want to connect with my wife, I have to close my computer. I'll tell you, if I want to have a good conversation, if, if, if I want to let her know, and I, I, you know how I've learned this? Okay. Okay. That's how I've learned it. You figured it out. So here's the important thing I want you to see. Listening, not only setting aside a special time with all the distractions removed, but number two, listening. Find out what they really think and what's on their heart and mind. We have a little skit here. Stephanie and Stephen are going to come up and they're going to do a little skit. Come on up. Let's give them a big hand.
1: Now we do a cute little skit to demonstrate how men and women don't listen to the same things and don't communicate the same things with each other, and then we'll end it with a video. So we'll set the scene. Coming home in the evening, Stephanie got home a little bit before I did. She's doing stuff in the kitchen, and I'm gonna come in and start with greeting the dog and tell her about a conversation I had with a friend. Hey, babe, I'm home. Hey, how was your day? Hi, Dugan. Come here, buddy come here buddy good good it was a good day yeah yeah got a lot done good had a lot of good stuff was there a lot oh. of traffic there was but yeah. guess who i chatted with on the way home Ooh. i chatted with matt Matthews. matt, matt. had a good chat with matt on the way home how's he doing good he's good yeah How is yeah. How's his job yeah we chatted about his job okay. we chatted about um, um went on some dates and we had a really good chat about his family Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So yeah. what's going on with work? It's good. Yeah. It's good. We chat about work. It's going well. Um, yeah, he got a promotion. So nice. that's good. Yeah. Okay, so what happened with that new coworker? He was kind of having that issue with That's right. No, I forgot about that. I didn't I didn't ask him about that. Okay. Yeah. Any new clients? I don't know. Oh, no, I didn't okay. ask him about that. All right. We <laughs> chatted about other other really good stuff though. Okay. But I, I, I chatted about him about his his uh, girl that he went out with. Yeah. Yes. How did he meet her? I don't know, okay. but her name is Maria, and he had a good time, a okay. really good time. What did they do? They went, they went out. <laughs> I don't know. I, they went out with Maria, <laughs> you know, but we had a good chat. Okay. I don't know why you're asking so, the question that I didn't ask. How long did you talk for? It was like a 40-minute conversation. Stop it. <laughs> yeah, but it was good. It was a good time okay. to connect with him. How about his mom? His mom's doing great. Okay. His mom's doing and great. And his niece? Oh, I forgot he has a niece. Stop it. he, ha- yes, he yeah, has a Yeah, I Allegra, forgot about his niece. like the allergy medicine. Yeah, oh I forgot. I mean, we oh. chatted about his family. Babe, we had a really good conversation for 40 minutes to chat about work. I could have sworn I'd chatted about his family and, and everything, but now I don't even know what we talked about. <laughs> Am I just going to have to call him myself? I guess that- you will. Okay. See, All men right. and women have totally different conversations when they're chatting with buddies. And every time I come home, it turns out I didn't have the conversation I thought I had. <laughs> Check the screen, enjoy this video of another conversation couples have. Let's give a big hand. Thank you, guys. And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me. And I can just feel it. Like, literally feel it in my head. And it's relentless. And I don't know if it's going to stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me most, is that I don't know if it's ever going to stop. Yeah. Do you have a nail in your head? It's not
0: about the nails. Are you
1: sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there... Stop trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing... You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. See, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail... I think you're <laughs>
0: not...
1: Sometimes it's like there's this achy. I don't know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's not really well at all. No, my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them. That <laughs> sounds really
0: hard. <laughs> <laughs> On, oh, if you would just jump. Okay. (laughs) Amen. Thank you, guys. Let's get it. (laughs) So listening, okay. Find out what's really on their heart and mind. Here's the scripture on that. In Proverbs 18, 13, it says, He who answers a matter before he hears it, it is folly and shame to him. You see, we speak an average, okay, we talk about 225 words a minute. But literally, we can listen at 500 words a minute. So that means there's still 275 words going through your mind when someone's talking to you. And it really takes effort to pay attention. Proverbs 18.2 says, says this, A fool has no delight in understanding, but only expressing his own heart. In other words, we've got to come to the place where we say, I'm going to focus. It's not about me now in this situation. It's about really hearing the heart of that other person. Philippians 3 says this, Let each of you look not only on his own interests, but also on the interest of others. It's just so important that we take that time to listen. And then add to that honesty. In other words, we have to graciously speak the truth to one another. I've been married coming up this August. This August, 50 years. Hallelujah. (laughs) Thank you. It's all heard. (laughs) But can I tell you something? I'm still learning how to really open up, how to really be honest. I think we're going to learn it all our lives. But honestly is graciously speaking the truth. Graciously sharing honest opinions. If you never get beyond that, you're never going to do anything. Colossians 4 verse 6 says, Let your speech always be with grace. But seasoned with salt. The salt is the truth. Honest words acknowledge people's good qualities. Start by talking about the good things in them. In other words, flattery. In a a proper sense, in other words, if there are things that are really, really likable and good, you need to start with those things. Look what Jesus did in Revelation 2. We read this, to the angel of the church in Ephesus, write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. So he's talking to the church now. He says, I know your deeds, your labor, your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate those who are evil. And you have tested and exposed as liars, those who falsely claim to be apostles. Without growing weary, you have persevered and endured many things for the sake of my name. So in other words, he starts by praising them and affirming them. And then in the next sentence, he points out their failures. But it's so important to acknowledge in honesty. But number two, or number A, honest about problem issues. In other words, get down to the nitty-gritty in your relationship with others. In Ephesians 4, it says, but speaking the truth in love, you may grow up into all things into him who is our head, that is Christ. I was shocked to learn this. They have done research into organizations and businesses And when I found this out, I was blown away. They found out that when employees are not willing to get into crucial conversations and be honest with their other employees, they literally waste, on an average, of $1,500 and eight hours of a workday. It's just thrown away. I read this, a study of more than 600 people found out that 8% of the employees estimate that their avoidance cost their organization more than $10,000. And in one 20 estimate, that was over the course of a drawn-out science conflict, they wasted time worrying about the problem for more than six months. Wasted time. And you can waste time in every relationship, your marriage, your, your friendships, your family, if you're never willing to get down to the crucial issues and face those things. Then let her be. you can disagree agreeably also. In other words, it's all right to talk about conflict. In the book of Proverbs, it said, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. Like an earring of gold or an ornament of fine gold is a wise man's rebuke. To a listening ear. In other words, you can be honest, but you've got to do it in a loving way. In Proverbs 15, we read this. A soft answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stir up anger. The tongue of the wise uses knowledge rightly, but the mouth of fools pours out foolishness. So if you're, if you're going to talk to your spouse about honest issues, if you're going to talk to people in your family about honest issues, if you're going to talk to your co about honest issues, make sure that you do it in the most reasonable and gentle way because a soft answer will turn away wrath. It's amazing. And then finally, number three. So talking to God, talking to others, now talking to self. First of all, Timing. You need to set aside time where you can think about your inner life. You see, so many times we're just rushing through life and all this stuff around us is bombarding, bombarding us and we never literally actually set aside time to think about what's going on inside of me. What's really going on inside of me? I love this. This Pastor Paul David trip. This is what he said. No one is more influential in your life than you are because no one talks to you more than you do. We never stop talking to ourselves. The things we say to you, we say to you, to you, about God and life are profoundly important because they form and shape the way you then respond to the things that God has put on your plate. So in other words, Think about how you're talking to yourself and what you're saying to yourself. In Psalm, we read this, Psalm 116. I said to myself, relax and rest. God has showered you with blessings. Can we read that together? Let's say. I said to myself, relax and rest. God has showered you. Blessings. Hang on to that. That's a good amen. Yeah. In other words, we get so stressed, we need to take that moment and just kind of talk to ourselves. Be listening. Listen and remember the good things that God has done for you. Wow. So much pressure. Just stop, relax. Look at what the David said. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Here's David. David's talking to his soul. Hey, soul. Remember all the good God did. Praise him. Can I hear an amen? amen? Yes. And thirdly, honesty. Be honest with yourself. Get that, that's part of having this talk with yourself. Because you really have to be graciously truthful with yourself. And that begins, though, with this. Don't listen to negative input from the world around you. Don't do that. Why are you downcast? Here's David talking to his soul again. If David can do it, it's all right that we do it. Amen? Yeah. We do it anyway. Let's just acknowledge it. Why are you so down in the dump soul? Dear soul, why are you crying the blues? Fix my eyes on God. Soon I'll be praising him again. He puts a smile on my face. He is my God. Can I hear an amen? amen. amen. You know what they discovered? This is amazing. This was a study done at Rush University Medical Center in Chicago. The study found that those who with strong beliefs in a personal and concerned God were more likely to experience improvement when they suffered illnesses. In other words, when they were looking up and knowing that God was for them, things were a lot better. But then add this, but an honest evaluation of what needs to change in our lives. We can talk to ourselves about that too. Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he said, test yourself. To make sure that you are solid in the faith. Don't drift along taking everything for granted. Give yourself regular checkups. You need first-hand evidence, not mere hearsay, that Jesus Christ is in you. Test it out. In other words, be honest about your relationship with God, with others, with your spouse, with your friends. Be honest. And then look inside and be honest too. But know that God is for you. And that things are going to work out. I want to leave you with those thoughts. Look at the example of David. Listen to what he said. And David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him. He'd just come back to his village and literally his family had been kidnapped and the families of his fellow soldiers had been kidnapped. They burned the city down and they didn't know what was gonna happen. He was in distress, but he said this. It says, because the soul of the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord, in his God. He said, buck up, David. You're going to make it. There's a way. God's for you. You're going to get out of the situation. I love this. Deborah. That great prophetess in the Old Testament, she said, after she had defeated her enemy, she said, the river Kishon swept away. That's the enemies. The age-old river, the river Kishon. And then this is what she said. March on, my soul. Be strong. Can you say that with me? March on, my soul. Be strong. Hallelujah. You know, there was a Native American tribe that had this ritual that they would put their sons through when they turned 13 to make them braves, to make them men. They literally would send them out blindfolded, lead them out into the depths of the forest, the wilderness. And then they'd leave them there. And then they instructed them at a point, I guess they were able to finally take off the blindfold when it got dark. And imagine this 13-year-old boy out there in the darkness wondering what's going on through the night hearing creepy, crazy things wondering if it's a wild animal or some creature that's going to attack them. But he makes it through the night. As the sun comes up and the birds begin to sing and the, the night mist begins to vanish he looks at just a few feet away With a bow and arrow stands his father, who's been there all night, watching over him. You see, God's right here. He's not from a distance. He's right here. And he wants to talk to you and me every day, if we can just learn to talk to him. Let's bow our heads.